Welcome to ASHTA Resource Q&A. We're taking time to discuss construction materials testing and inspection with people in the know. From exploring testing problems and solutions to laboratory best practices and quality management, we're covering topics important to you. Now, here's our host, Brian Johnson. Welcome to ASHTO Resource Q&A. I'm Brian Johnson. And I'm Kim Swanson. And what are we talking about today, Brian? Well, today we are going to talk about the last soil report that came out from the Proficiency Sample Program. It's Soil Classification and Compaction 185 and 186. That came out on May 19th, 2022. So the reason why I want to talk about this is because there were some changes to this sample round from the previous sample round. And I want to talk about some of the data because there are some things that have changed over the years with the soil samples that people who work in standards development are keenly interested in. To talk about this, I've invited our manager of the Proficiency Sample Program, John Molusky, on board here. Hello, John. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. And our... Um, I don't know what I would say, e- expert on mm, data analysis, maybe Pete Holter. So Pete. Expert on details that no one else cares about. Yes, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> Appropriate titles. No one else cares about. Yes. Thank you. It's so much easier when you say it first, because then I don't feel like I'm insulting you. So, so thank you so much, Pete. Uh, Pete gets into the weeds and, and it's always helpful. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Pete brings stuff up and, and finds things that always, uh, we learn something important and uh, we didn't even know that we were going to learn it. So thank you, Pete. Okay, so this sample round, just to give us a brief overview, we have two different hydrometer tests, right? We've got the old traditional T88 slash ASTM D422 that's now uh, defunct. And we have the new one, which is ASTM D7928. We also have a few other tests we're going to get into, but let's start with the hydrometer. John, we've had a couple rounds now where we were able to look at how performance is between the old hydrometer and the new hydrometer. Can we draw any conclusions about whether or not this is an improvement in the variability of testing at this point? What are your feelings on that? Well, I think, Brian, right now, it's to me, it's kind of inconclusive. When I look at the data, yeah, I actually have the sample round analysis pulled up here for this current round, just taking a peek at it and looking at their traditional 422 particle diameters, right? And this is what AASHTO has specified for PSP. So we've looked at the total material finer than the 0.02 millimeter, than the 0.002, and the 0.001. Now, the new hydrometer analysis, right, you look at your particle diameter at time intervals of sedimentation, and then you also look at the percent passing that particle diameter at that time frame. And when you look at the comparison, I don't see that much of a difference between the percent passing and the two. Just as example, and and, I don't know how it's going to play out with our listeners, but at the particle diameter of smaller than 0.02 for traditional hydrometer, we saw an average around 47% from old 422. And if I look at the particle diameter size at four minutes, that was a particle diameter of 0.0208. So we're 800 thousands different in particle diameter. 
and our percent passing went from 46 well, roughly 47 to 48.3 like I, I, right i mean and the standard right, deviation is i got to stop you put Kim to just, sleep yeah i, just, I can't you're putting I Kim what, to sleep we need to I'm, we need to write the ship Okay. I was very confused I, on all of the things that you're talking about. I'm I was sorry, trying I to hang in to... there, but I got I got nothing. So I... sorry about that. Okay. All right. Let's normalize this a little bit and talk about the percent one S values. Oh, Kim is very excited now. So so we can kind of see at least the the uh, relative difference in test results when we talk about that. At least that's the way I look at it. I look at the variability. And I see those percent one S values, and that gives me a kind of a conceptual idea of how they are doing when I look at individual points on that curve. Do you agree with that, or am I just looking at it the wrong way? I don't agree with it at this point. Like I said, I, when I look at the values for the particle diameters and then the percent passing that those particle diameters, the set diameters that we had in the original 422 or, or T88, they're still pretty close. And the 1S values are... Uh, almost the same, and in some cases, they're even larger at that particle diameter. And I think, Pete, when you and I were talking a year or two ago, we were kind of seeing that, that it seemed like the variability was larger with the new 422 method. Wait, with the new... So you're talking about with D7928? Yeah. You're seeing larger variability, and you determine that based on which number are you looking at? So the one that I looked at for this past year was line item number four on the data sheet, and comparing that to... Line item number, let me sneak here, 12 on the data sheet. Okay, but which column? So I'm looking at the sample round analysis. So the grand average values for 185 and 186 on view sample round analysis. Right, so if you compare the percent passing at for line item 4 and compare this percent passing on line item 12, they're pretty close to the same, and that's the same particle diameter, or very close to the same particle diameter. So if I'm reading this correctly, we're just going to throw this out here. On line number number four, we have 46.82, and then 48.56. Those are the numbers that you are saying that are close together, that it's not that big of a difference. No. That, well, they no. should be, what, because that's the same should, sample. Okay, so that should be good. So, okay. Yeah, so, so what you're looking at, Kim, if you look at that, it says total material smaller than 0.02. So okay, that 0 0.02 is the particle diameter. Okay, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then when you scroll down to, so you got to take this in three bits. Okay, so the particle diameter for line item seven, this is the okay. new hydrometer. Okay. For line item seven, the particle diameter D is being reported as 0 0.0208. So at four minutes of sedimentation, our particle diameter is 0 0.02 millimeters, roughly. Mm -hmm. So to correspond with that percent passing, you got to drop down to line item number 12 because that's the percent finer at four minutes of sedimentation. So now at four minutes of sedimentation, we know that the particle diameter is at roughly 0 0.02 and the percent passing that particle diameter is 48, which if you then scroll back up to line item number four, it's roughly 47. Mm -hmm. So right, we're like our percentage is only 1% apart. Well, we got this whole new test method that's showing us like pages of stuff to come out with a difference of a like 1%, but a standard deviation that's larger than what we've seen in 422 and T88. All right, I that's, think I follow that. that. That's where like, when I look at this and someone comes and tells me from, from one of the meetings that the new hydrometer methods are great, I'm like, where, show me. 
I'm not seeing a reduction in variability and the variation is not that much. And how much is this actually impacting what we do every day? And to give our listeners some kind of idea of how many labs you're talking about have submitted data, I see the total number of labs that have submitted data for, we were talking about line number four, was um, 1,136. So that gives uh, people an idea of how many labs data we are analyzing for this. Oh yeah, it's it's not small. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. it's large. It's it's a huge huge set of data. Yeah. So when people say, "When are you going to shift away from uh, including that?" What you know? That's not going to happen. There's over a thousand participants. There's clearly interest. Well, one thing to think about when people are comparing these numbers is. I saw some notes from some participants who said in their data submission that they just reported T88 or D422 numbers in the D7928 line items. They said that. So uh, there's probably a lot of people who are simply doing that and didn't tell us. Um, but, uh, you know, that could be one of the reasons why we don't see much of a difference between the two sets of results. Yeah, and unfortunately, the hard part about that is we'll never know, right? Because it's all about integrity and what people are actually testing and how they're doing it. We, we're we not standing there watching them submitting data and doing what they're, you know, what we're asking them to do. They can do what they want and hopefully it works out for them or doesn't work out for them. We don't know. We don't control over that. Now, as the newer hydrometer standards become more popular and are specified more from project owners, do you think you will see a change in that, that more people will be doing the new methods versus the old methods and that those numbers will show more information or give us more information about how they're really different the more that they're used? Yeah, I'm not sure if we're going to see a lot of push for specifying the new hydrometer at this point. There's a lot of pushback against simply the length of the standard it's so long and it's currently under revision to add even more pages to a standard that a number of people are already complaining about being too long and so i i don't see you know there's not really any eagerness there to adopt this new standard at this point yeah it's almost like the preparation has confused people so much that they're just ignoring it and i think that that's kind of where it falls yeah, that's a yeah. challenge when you're writing a standard. You know, you want to be precise and you want it to be as repeatable as possible. But if you get too detailed, then you run the risk of people ignoring it. I think it would be nice if that happened, if there was a push from specifying agencies to stop specifying the old standard and get everyone onto the new standard. I think that would be a good thing. I do want to let listeners know if they want more information about the transition from the hydrometer standards. We did do a podcast episode, season one, episode 24. If you wanted to listen more about the transition from one standard to the other. Yeah, thanks, Kim. One thing that I found encouraging was that the uh, 0.001 value for D422 and T88, that uh, the average percent passing was 1165 and to get that you do have to extrapolate your data beyond the 24-hour readings and so if you compare that with the the 24-hour reading of d7928 uh the average 
for D7928 was higher percentage, and that's what you would expect. So it was good to see that because I've seen in the past labs performing the test per T88 and D422 and simply reporting the 24-hour reading as the as the percent passing the zero or percent smaller than 001 millimeters. So that was good to see. No, that's good. So not all doom and gloom. Now that's just the hydrometer. Now there's another kind of interesting change that happened this year with the soil sample, and that was the split of Ashto T88 and ASTM G187. What happened there, John? So yeah, T288 and G187 there, we had to had to make a little switch. Uh, when we put these two methods into the program last year, um, we you know, case kind of did our own review and talked to some industry people. And we thought that the methods were identical enough to keep under the same line item. Um, so we had them paired up last year and looked at the data and got some additional feedback from other participants and said that maybe you should separate them just simply because of the procedure. The procedures are different enough. Um, you know, specifically T288 calls for the um, minimum soil resistivity, whereas uh, G187 just calls for the soil resistivity at saturation, uh, the saturation of the soil. Um, we've gotten some more feedback with, with G187 and people are asking, what is the true definition of the term saturation? One lab's idea of saturation can be different than another. So there has been a suggestion for next year's sample that we actually specify the moisture content of the soil prior to you doing the G187 test. So we will see how that pans out. Looking at the data right now, hopefully it, it brings things down, narrows it more in line. When you look, still look at the overall comparison between the two, between two, T288 and G187, they're pretty close. The, the average values are very similar, um, but there's way more variability in the standard deviation from the G187. So that might be a product of the whole saturation discussion that we just had. So hopefully we can nail that down a little bit with some better instructions next year and see how things play out there. But yeah, I just had to break it apart because of some test method discrepancy. Yeah, now one, one kind of interesting wrinkle to all of this, Pete, is when we have a change like this. So last year, the results were combined. This year, they're split out. So if someone in the future needs to test a blind sample, uh, an extra sample that they are unaware of which sample it is for accreditation purposes, that, that kind of adds a, a little bit of complexity to that process, doesn't it? Yes, few years down the road, then yeah, we wouldn't be able to send out older samples. You know, that's something to think about. If we have like twenty some labs getting suspended, and we only have we can only send them the new sample, are we going to have enough XPS material for these? That's why we're only going to send them fifteen hundred gram samples. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you think about it this way, so we're not going to be processing suspensions this year for these tests unless they just have not been participating. But next year, if somebody had repeat low ratings, then they would be able to test, you know, we would send them a, a sample that they didn't know what it was. And it could be from either of the last two, not like the last two in the future, if that makes yeah. sense. So this, this we, year and next year. 
Although we are suspending in the case of uh, no submittal data last year, and they did submit data this year. So those labs are getting suspended this year and two rounds of no data. Right. Yeah. So you do have to participate to maintain your accreditation. We're not concerned about supply either because we can get four of those um, resistivity samples out of one current sample. We can sub split it down since the samples are homogenous, split it appropriately, and we should be good. That's a good option as well. And I think that comes up uh, with the pH testing. So another test that we had on this round where we had pH testing of soils. Now, generally, there's not a lot of soil involved with that test, is there? And, and if somebody were to receive low ratings on that, would they have to get an entire box of soil for that? Or what are we doing? No, we're going to prepare smaller samples. We kind of did this with the mineral filler test for uh, the gyratory sample a few years ago instead of sending laboratories an entire box of gyratory materials to test a few grams of the mineral filler we're going to kind of do the same thing with ph so we will send participants a small bag of soil that we prepared from the previous round or current round that's homogenous and we should be good to go the good part is it's not going to cost the participants the full sample box we're going to heavily discount it uh, since it's a very, very small portion of material. It won't cost that much to ship. Uh, we haven't identified a price yet, but it will be way, way less than what the full sample price is. Yeah, that'll be good for anybody who wants to see how they're doing on pH. Hopefully we won't have a lot of suspended laboratories though. Uh, and it'll be just people who want to see how they're doing. Now, the, the next sample I want to talk about is the corrosion test. So there are two corrosion tests in this sample. We've got uh, Ashto T290 and Ashto T291. Now, the reason why I want to talk about this is because the variability did not look so hot this time. Can you talk about that, John? Yeah, it actually hasn't looked uh, looked very very hot, as you would say. The last two times, we had coefficients of variation well over, well, actually, just about a hundred percent. So, really, you could be over two times off the average and still managed to get a satisfactory rating here from the accreditation program. So I, I'm not sure how we're going to evaluate that and what we're going to do in the future. We, I, I don't know if we're going to continue to include it. The one thing that we have recently done with the assessment program is made an adjustment. So now laboratories will not have the option to use the titration method. They'll be using the, um, the meter method, I don't know what the other way to, what procedure that is, A or B in the method or whatever, but, but the titration method's not going to be used. So I'm not sure if that's going to change the variability. We'll have to see what happens in another year or two. This might be one of those things that we, we just kind of let fall off the books and, and take it away from the program after a while if we don't see any improvement. Either that or figure out a way to make appropriate suggestions to the committees that uh, oversee the standards and maybe get some verbiage in there that'll help reduce that variability. Yeah, I, see, I think when we see results like this, it's good that we know what they are. If they were never included in the round, we would have no idea. You could have uh, agencies out there requiring this test and expecting results to be repeatable between testing firms. And really what this data shows is that that may not be a realistic expectation to have. 
So it, it, I think that in itself is really valuable and when one is one of the benefits of the proficiency sample program. Now, while we're talking about this, I see a very quizzical look on Pete's face. So I really am curious what is rolling around in your head right now, Pete. What are you thinking? Yeah, well, I haven't really had the time to look at the data for these particular tests, and I'm just kind of looking at it as you're talking, and uh, it's just interesting to see uh, if you look at last year's results for T290, there's a lot more uh, sulfate ion content in the soil, and it had a very large standard deviation, but the standard deviation was smaller than the average value. And then this year, you didn't have as much content. The average was a lot smaller, but the standard deviation compared with the average, uh, this time it was larger. And uh, just, just kind of curious about the quality of this test and like you're saying. And yeah, that's one of those things, Pete, where after a few years we get some data and we can provide a precision estimate to ASHTO and ASTM so we have a better understanding of where this test method fits and how precise of a method it actually is. So another few years, we can get some data out and, and get it to the appropriate bodies for standards development and get them some more information. Are, are those new tests? Like, what is this or is this just new, a new thing that happened? Like, why haven't we seen the same thing, you know, five years ago if it's an, an older test? Yeah, it's not an older test. We we put this into the method or into the PSP last year for oh, solo okay. class. Okay. So it's fairly new, but I don't believe there are precision statements in the standards for them. So it's something that may not have been looked at. And and I'm I don't I can't one hundred percent say if there are or not. I don't remember. I just didn't know how new they were. We just had a bunch of a bunch of requests from labs to say, hey, put this in the program. So we said, All right, we can accommodate that. That's pretty easy. So we want to see what happens. I mean first two years to have over 50 participants, that's that's pretty good. We'll take that any day. Yeah, another interesting thing with this is that th this is a test where we know that some of the state DOTs have their own versions of these tests. And I wonder if any of those changes that they have made on their state method, if they get incorporated into the ASHTO method, if we'll start to see some tightening of those tolerances or it, it, on, on the <laughs> opposite side of that, if is if a proliferation of state methods is causing more variability right now because everybody's just doing whatever they normally do and not actually following the ASHTO method. Hey, everybody, I wanted to jump back. Question for John uh, on the hydrometer. So T88 T and D422. Oh, uh, man. The number 10 sieve is not suppressed this year, and... The last time we reported ratings for the number 10 sieve was 2014, I think. Uh, so I was very curious uh, to, to see this. I'm glad it's not suppressed this year. I was kind of curious about the rationale for suppressing it for so many years and what changed this year. Yeah, so this, this is kind of dependent on how uh, the materials come to us, Pete. So when we order our materials for the blending proportion, sometimes the sand that we get has more coarse material in it, and sometimes it doesn't. Same way with the, the soil or clay, excuse me. Um, so it's, it's kind of dependent on what we get from the supplier, um, and it just, it just really depends on, on what's in the stockpile. 
Um, you know, we'll order a manufactured sand. Sometimes it has 98% passing the the 10, and sometimes it has 80% passing the 10. So when we do the data analysis, we look at what the percent passing looks like. And if it's really close to 100, it's a bound distribution, and it really doesn't provide any benefit to the laboratory to be evaluated for it. So that's why it was suppressed. So this year, down 85%. So there's there's a reason where we can keep that in there. It's not bound. Okay, great. Well, hey, I think we covered this sample round well enough. Hopefully the people who are participating in this soil classification and compaction sample got some good information out of this. I want to thank uh, Kim, as always, and, and Pete and John for joining us today. If you have any questions about this round, you can feel free to reach out to John Molusky at jmolusky at ashtoresource.org with your proficiency sample inquiries or Pete Holter, which is pholter at ashtoresource.org or you can get in touch with me at podcast at ashtoresource.org, which I am bound and determined to get emails going into that email address. One day, Kim. (laughs) One day we're going to get it. And I'm going to say, if you have further questions about this, do not email me. I will not be able to help you. (laughs) (laughs) Also good to know. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to Ashto Resource Q&A. If you'd like to be a guest or just submit a question, send us an email at podcast at ashtoresource.org or call Brian at 240-436-4820. For other news and related content, check out Ashto Resources' Twitter feed or go to ashtoresource.org.